0: Hey, it's Annie here. We're working hard on some fresh new ag stories for the podcast. And so while some of you are waiting for your crops to grow over the cooler months, we've got some best of Beyond the Farmgate episodes to keep you entertained. This is one of them. Enjoy. Beyond the Farm Gate, a show where we shine a light on great Australian stories in agriculture. On the show, you'll hear from farmers who've survived challenges like fire, flood, and drought, farmers who run innovative and unique agribusinesses, and farmers who are balancing work and family in rural Australia. You'll be inspired hearing their stories and pick up some insights along the way. I'm your host, Annie Herbert. Today, I'm chatting with Andy White. Andy is the director of Whitestock AG. And together with her husband, Hayden, has recently bought 640 acres of mixed cropping and cattle country in Tokemole, New South Wales. Andy and Hayden's journey to farm ownership wasn't an easy or traditional one. And in this episode, you'll hear how they started building their deposit through share farming, changed their mindset to find investors, and beat a large corporate to secure their slice of rural Australia. Let's jump in. Well, welcome Andy and thanks for coming on Beyond the Farm Gate to chat to us. Sarah, thanks for having me, Annie. So tell me, how did your connection to agriculture begin?
1: Well, myself and my husband Hayden both grew up on farms and we have a strong connection to the land. Hayden did an agricultural degree at Melbourne Uni and so that's where we met and then we moved up to the farm Tokamall. Hayden's been working and managing on the farm up here for the last fifteen years. So we're pretty ingrained in the agricultural industry. We love
0: it. So That farm that you've been on for over the past decade, tell us a little bit more about that.
1: Um, It's a large broadacre cropping and sheep and cattle farm. Hayden started out as just a a farmhand working on the farm and then worked his way up to being manager. So we've raised all of our kids here on the farm and then we bought our own farm about three years ago. We saved up enough money to go out and buy our own farm, so now we're proper farmers. Love it. So with that, it's great to have that
0: experience on someone else's farm. But why was it so important to the both of you to own your own farm? To continue the legacy for our kids,
1: I guess. It's been a dream ever since we were kids to own our own farm and to be able to make those management decisions ourselves and like it's all good working for someone else and we've had a great time we've got a fantastic boss but it's being able to have that independence and the autonomy to make our own decisions be they good or bad. But to do it our way and have our own control over our own destiny, I guess. It's a great investment and it's a great lifestyle having a farm and being able to just make our own little niche in the world. That makes sense.
0: <laughs> Absolutely. And everyone starts somewhere. So while it's really exciting that you're now going to be taking on your own farm, what have you learned in the time that you've been managing someone else's property?
1: I've definitely learnt what works and what doesn't work and diversification is key, having crops and livestock and different types of crops and dry land and irrigated and all the different pros and cons of having those different, you know, your fingers in different pies as such farming is a big gamble and you've got to take risks but if you don't take risks there's no rewards so yeah no we've learned a hell of a lot throughout our time and I mean Hayden's just got a wealth of knowledge in agriculture now and he's passing that on to our kids and, and it's amazing just what they know just from picking up and, and following him around and knowing knowledge from him like he learnt from his dad just being out and experiencing it is so important so
0: and I understand you have four boys, so I bet they're out and about on the farm all the time.
1: Yes, they absolutely are. They love it. At least two of them want to be farmers. Pretty good, 50%. Yep, 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 <laughs> yep. They are just so keen and they love it. We've got this little potty calf at the moment that we're kind of bottle feeding, supplementary bottle feeding out with mum in the paddock and stuff like that. And they're out there in the thick of it and they're always out there helping us, you know. Do whatever needs to be done with fencing and picking up sticks and whatever needs to be done. So, great childhood, but great labor for you guys, too. (laughs) Fantastic childhood. I can't imagine raising kids any other way. You know, they've just got such a wholesome upbringing. Then we've got pigs and chooks and dogs and potty calves and, you know, you name it. (laughs) (laughs) uh, Motorbikes and yabbying and whatever else they can do. You know, it's the childhood that I think as kids, we took for granted because there's not that many family farms around anymore. There's not that many kids that are growing up with this kind of lifestyle. So in order to provide that for them, it was so important for us to have our own and to be able to pass that on so that they know they can do it in the future with their kids. So before
0: we jump into how you realised your farm ownership dreams, I wanted to go back a bit and understand that your journey to owning your own farm
1: perhaps started with share farming. Yes, it absolutely did. We had a bit of a side hustle from our day jobs. We actually share farmed with a neighbour and we started out in 2017 was our first crop that we did with him. And that just then set us up to have a few harvest checks, you know, like just to, to work with someone else. It was a split that we did that was quite fair and it enabled us to just get our foot in the door, get that experience, get the runs on the board essentially, that then proved quite advantageous for us when approaching investors and the bank later on to actually say, yes, we have got an established business, we have income statements and whatnot proving that we can do this. So we had a lot more backing from the banks and investors when it came time to actually get our own farm. It was a great advantage to just doing that share farm. There was very little risk for us to get in there. We didn't have to put up any capital. It was just we did broadacre cropping was all we did. The first season that we did, we didn't own our own cedar. So we actually borrowed a cedar from a neighbour that was just sitting out in their paddock, broken down, unused. And so we actually offered to fix it for them, repaired the old combine cedar and take, yeah, took it in the shed and patched it up and got it in working order again. And we used that to put in our first crop which I think was wheat from memory. And then we planted that crop. And then with the harvest check from the first season, we went and bought our own proper air seeder. And so every year we kind of, you know, pulled our money at the end. And I think the following year we bought a, a new tractor. Then by the time we did the season after that, we had enough for deposit to buy a small neighbouring block of our own. It gave us our start really by doing that share farming.
0: That's awesome. And it really goes to show you own your own farm now, but that journey started over a decade ago when you started managing the property, but then kept going. And there was all those steps along the way with the share farming and also understand that you were purchasing wiener calves as well and selling them at the same time. So lots of side hustles. Yeah,
1: that was a great little investment. I think because we knew the end game was always going to be that we wanted our own farm. We were always in little baby steps working towards that end game. And yeah, we did. We bought some little wiener calves years ago and just raised them up and fed them and was out there every day feeding them. And then they grew up to be nice, big, fat, healthy (laughs) steers that we sold at market. And that was a great moment of excitement. And then we used that money to buy a few more steers and fatten them up and sold them. So we've just been snowballing so that now we actually have our own farm. We have quite a healthy herd of cattle that we've essentially bought with the funds from the first little original rob that we bought that we raised up. So having that end game in sight from the start and setting our sights firmly on a goal just meant that we could continually just little baby steps just always work towards what we knew we wanted. For anyone out there that's thinking
0: about getting involved in share farming but they're not quite sure from your perspective, what were both the benefits but also the challenges that they should be aware of going into it?
1: The benefits were just that we didn't have to put up that capital to start with because that's one of the biggest challenges is just getting the land and even once you've got the land, you've got to have that working capital up your sleeve to put the crop in or, or do, buy the cattle or do whatever you're going to do, buy the sheep. And so by having that relationship where someone else was happy to just take their cut and provide the capital they didn't have to do any work they just sat back and we did all the work so there was inherently a lot of risk in doing that because if the crop had failed we'd put up the money and got nothing in return but then again so did the share farmer so if there was a drought and there was no crop there was no win for either of us but we had a fantastic relationship with the share farmer they had confidence in us which was good. And I think you've just got to have that open, honest relationship with the share farmer. It's got to be fair. That's a big part of it too. We had very clear cut kind of rules. This is what we do. This is what you do. And yeah, just built for a a fantastic little relationship and got us on our feet to get going. So the downside is really, I guess, that all that work you're putting into it is eventually not yours. You know, you, yeah, you put your heart and soul into it, and you you love it and everything like that, but then at the end of the day, it's not yours. Yeah. <laughs> so kind of come to grips with, but that just made us even more desperate to get our own farm, I guess. So yeah. that just fueled the fire.
0: And what I'm kind of picking up as well is you know you had this great relationship with the farmer, and you know you also had that neighbor whose cedar you were able to take on and and fix up, is this real sense of community? Would you say that's something that's really strong in your farming community?
1: Absolutely. And I think you'd be hard-pressed to find a farming community that's not like that. Everyone just wants to see each other succeed and it's very much like so many of the opportunities that we've had around here have been through neighbours and community supporting each other and wanting to see each other succeed. And everyone's just so happy for you. And also too, like we've got four young boys ranging in age from five up to 12. And, I mean, we contribute to the cricket club and the local school committees and all that kind of stuff. We're heavily involved in help out there. And I think if we ever packed up and moved away, there would be a hole felt in the community, you know, so everyone's keen to keep us here. And and we're good neighbours, you know. Someone loses their dog and everyone goes (laughs) looking for it, you know, that kind of thing. It's very much that small community that I think everyone's really happy for small families to succeed in these places because. If the corporates come in and buy up all the land, you kind of lost that sense of community because people come in and manage it, they're not from around here, they don't stay, they don't help stay to put out a fire if there's a, you know, a head of fire gets away or whatever. They're not contributing to the local schools or sports clubs or whatever. So the more little farming families that can succeed, the better the rural communities do in the area. So I think everyone is aware of that and everyone's really happy to see each other succeed. So That's
0: awesome. And I think that's a really great segue into actually how it came about that you now own your own farm. So tell us what happened. How did the opportunity come up to
1: own what is now your farm? Well, I'll start with that first. We kind of bought the farm in two sections. So the first came up in 2008. We bought the neighbouring farm, which we had been, like friends of ours, neighbours had the block, and we'd been hassling them for years. (laughs) If ever you want to sell that, please think of us. We're desperate to buy something, and it's just the right size for us. In our area, it's quite small. It's 300 acres, which is big in some areas, but for up here in broadacre cropping, it's quite a small block. And so it was, you know, within our budget as such and a nice little manageable size for us with Hayden working full time. So we kind of kept us at the forefront of their minds and so eventually, yeah, they did. They came and approached us one day and admittedly, we didn't get a bargain for it. We paid probably what we thought was quite expensive, but it was definitely worth every cent of it to us to get our foot in the door. And they were quite happy. We were quite happy. It was fantastic. And now looking back, it was cheap as chips compared to what it's worth now. (laughs) And so just getting our foot in the door by being able to have that relationship with them set us up to get that first block. And then we got three harvests off that property that then enabled us to get our foot in the door for the next block. So that's a whole other story. So that 300 acres is surrounded on three sides by one of the titles on the property that Hayden has been managing forever. So, we'd been hassling the owner, Hayden's old boss, for years that if ever he was going to sell the property, please think of us because it just fit three sides, it just slotted right in around our existing property. It was just perfect. It had a little house on it and everything like that. So, yeah, we kind of kept saying, if you're ever going to sell it, ever going to sell it please think of us, please think of us. And so, last year in June, he came to us and said, All right, I've been approached by someone who's, you know, like a big, a big corporate and they're, prepared to pay for it and pay lots of money for it <laughs> and uh, we were like yay let's go and went to the bank and they of course said not a chance like don't even think about it there's like no <laughs> slightly so we kind of went oh my god we just couldn't have saved up enough of a deposit to meet that demand so we then went and approached Cultivate Farms and spoke to Sam Marwood and he basically said yes come on board we can help you out. (laughs) That doesn't sound like Sam at all. (laughs) Oh my goodness Sam was just our knight in shining armor. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) It was just what we did because we were like what are we going to do? Like if we can't buy this we're never going to be able to buy anything. It meant that really what's the point of having this little block like a shag out on a rock kind of thing. Like,
0: And once that block's gone if the corporates get it that's kind of it it's yeah. not going to come up again
1: anytime soon yeah. this is your chance exactly and we were just like if we can't afford this we're not going to be able to afford anything how can we ever possibly do this and, and we actually very seriously considered putting all of our worldly goods in a shipping container and going for a big lap around australia with the kids that was definitely very much an option at the time i've spoken to the school teachers and everything about you know <laughs> Oh, wow. know, <laughs> Need a backup plan. Yeah, we did. We were very good. we were like, well, what's the point? We might as well just bag up and we're never gonna be able to do this. But then we did the cultivator farms program and that ran from November through to February, March. That basically just set us up with all the tools to Know that we could do it. Basically, gave us the confidence to be able to say, righto, how are we going to get this farm? We want a farm. That is what we want. That's our end game. Let's just go hard or go home. And so, we got ourselves a new bank manager. We got ourselves a new accountant. We got ourselves a pitch to say, this is what we want to do. This is how we're going to do it. This is how amazing we are. Like, I'm a bookkeeper. So, I had the skills on the financial side to be able to put things together. Hayden's got an amazing amount of farm management experience, like managing and actually on the tools, on the ground kind of thing. And he's got an ag degree as well. And so we were like, we are a kick-ass combination. Like How can we are. Do? There is no reason why people shouldn't back us. Like we are every bit as good as and as capable of doing this as anyone else is. Like let's go. So, <laughs> <laughs> But we didn't have that confidence before we'd been speaking with Sam and Adam and they'd kind of told us, yes, you can. We did not think we could. So Sam and Adam gave us the tools to be able to have confidence in ourselves that we had what someone else wanted, not the other way around. We were in the mindset where we wanted money because we didn't quite have enough And so we were trying to sell ourselves like we wanted someone's money, but we should have been selling ourselves like we've got something you want. We are investable. We are a great opportunity for you. And as soon as we changed that mindset, we put together our pitch to say, this is the farm that we want. This is how we can do it. We are amazing. And I was just showing family the pitch and kind of saying, this is what we're going to do. This is our plan. This is the farm we want to buy. And They basically said, oh, well, we've just come into some money. We'll back you. One thing that Adam kind of said to me that stuck with me was he said, if you ask people for money, they'll give you advice. If you ask people for advice, they'll give you money. (laughs) prime (laughs) example yeah totally so just by kind of changing that mindset this kind of and then and we didn't need much we really did not need much money and we kind of put the proposal forward okay if you lend us a chunk of money we will return your investment at four percent interest only for two years and then we'll revisit it and like that's way better than what the bank's going to give you at the moment it's like half a percent or something in your savings account so we just got them to cover the shortfall that we needed to show the bank we got ourselves a kick bank manager who's really very relatable and like I call him all the time and he's fantastic. We got ourselves a really good accountant and so we had this team behind us. We had the money, the backing behind us kind of saying, someone saying whatever the gap is, we'll cover that for you. And so then we were sitting there primed and ready to go in the wings and <laughs> had this little team behind us and then all of a sudden the big corporate who bought the farm that we missed out on they backed out of the deal and it fell through. And so we were sitting there ready, waiting to go. Hayden in the meantime had sent no less than about 18 emails to the owner <laughs> saying, if this falls through, please, 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 can we get it? We'll give you. We're ready, first- we're ready. Yeah, we'll give you our firstborn child. We'll, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and so on the point of desperation, but really showing that we were here. Like, you know, if anything fell through, please think of us. And then of course it did. And we just jumped straight in. It said, yep, boom, let's go. We've got everything lined up. Let's do it. Here you go. And it was all settled within like 60 days. Meant to be. Yeah. And so it's quite amazing that throughout it all, like we had some really rough times, some really Mm. low patches where we did not think that, this was going to end up like this, but the way the universe works, kind of all that crap had to happen in order for us to get where we are now. Like if that corporate hadn't have come in and bought it, it wouldn't have been for sale. He was never going to sell it kind of thing. Well, He wasn't interested in selling it. The message there was that just because something has happened that isn't particularly favorable, it doesn't mean it's not meant to happen. Kind of everything happens for a reason. And we had to have gone through that. It had to have sold for it to actually be for sale for us to buy it. Having that low point really gave us a kick in the pants to get moving and really, okay, what are we doing with our lives? How are we going to go forward? How can we make this happen? And that's a
0: really good point and something that I wanted to dig a little deeper into because I'm sure there are plenty of other people out there in maybe not the same, but similar situations in that they're not quite there yet and they're not quite able to own their own farm but they so desperately want it with the Cultivate Farms program. What does that actually
1: entail? So it was a weekly Zoom meeting, I think every Tuesday morning. I committed every Tuesday morning. I told work I'm I'm out for Tuesday morning. I just said, no, I'm unavailable every Tuesday morning. And we would go on the Zoom meeting and Adam and Sam would have every week, have something, have a guest speaker, have someone to inspire us, make us accountable and say, right, this week I want you to go and find your tiger team, you know, find those people around you who are going to support you. Go and go forth and find them and come back and report next <laughs> thing. Or go and put your pitch together. Go and find a farm and find out what do you actually want to do or find out what your genius is. What are you amazing at? It's such a great program to just build up our confidence and make us realize that we could do it and that we had this support of all these people around us because there was the team of other people who are in the program as well, like all your peers they were all desperate to get their own farm too. So it was amazing just chatting to other people and kind of going, well, it's not only us, everyone's in the same boat here. And also too, I kind of joked with Sam about it, but we had to pay, I think it was $1,500 to do the course. And because I paid my money, I'm a bit frugal i'm exceptionally frugal actually good bookkeeper (laughs) yeah and i don't part with my money easily and i kind of went like because in the middle of all of this was basically like this farm's not for sale this is like what are we doing we were ready to give up at many times but i went no i paid my damn money i'm gonna follow this through (laughs) i'm not giving up now what a waste of money So uh, I stuck with it and I'm so glad I did because I think if it had been even like a free program, you know, I'd be like, whatever, I'm done, you know, walk away.
0: Yeah, I won't log in next week, whatever.
1: Yeah, totally. But I was like, no, damn it, I've paid my money. I'm here. I'll get my full three months of the course worth out of it. And I did and we stuck in there right to the end and it was it just everything happened because of that. And it just kind of meant that we didn't give up and and we were held accountable because there's nothing worse than when you a given set homework, I guess. And then you come back and you have to kind of hang your head and say, I didn't do it. Very true. And so it made us go and find out what our genius was, put together different bits and pieces, find the right people. It gave us that push that we needed.
0: That's great. And I think from the outside looking in, someone could say, oh, you know, but this fell into place and just so happened that those corporates came along. But really, this has been a huge journey for you guys and it is purely down to hard work and dedication and having that end goal
1: firmly in sight and
0: keeping and sticking to that.
1: Absolutely yep and I think backing each other too because Hayden and I we a pretty tight-knit unit and we definitely backed each other at different times like there was times when Hating to be all down in the dumps because it's like, oh, I'm never going to get, like, you know, I've been wanted to have my own farm forever, ever since I've known him. He's always just wanted to own his own farm. And so he would have different moments where I'd boy him. And then there would be other moments where I'd be like, oh, you know, what's the point? This is such hard work. And is this what I want or whatever? And it's like, yes, that is what I bloody well want. This <laughs> is like, let's do it. This is great. Let's just go for it. It's definitely been a massive journey, but geez, it feels good having. That And like we kind of drive past the farm all the time and kind of, let's buy this place. This place is cool. Oh, we already have it. <laughs> <laughs> it's yours. Like now you've got your
0: little slice of Australia. How awesome.
1: Yeah, absolutely. As Hayden's dad often says, God's not making any more. So it's very true. Got to get it while you can. Absolutely. Take an opportunity when you can, I think is the key. And it's been hard work. Like it's been exceptionally hard work. And even like yesterday, all six of us, like the kids in Hayden, were up there laying pavers down and stuff like that. It's hard work. We're all in there working very, very hard. It's not like we've just bought a farm and we're just swanning around now. It's, you know. <laughs> now the the real hard work actually begins <laughs> absolutely, now. Absolutely. absolutely. That was nothing
0: compared to what's about to come.
1: Yep. Now we've actually bought a farm. We're too poor to do anything else. <laughs> But
0: what a great lesson for the kids to show that, you know, you don't give up. If you
1: want something bad enough, you go for it and you get it. Absolutely. And that was one of the big driving forces was that if we had have just said, oh, well, we're never going to be able to do this. It was kind of showing the kids that if we just laid down and just gave up, then why should they ever bother trying? And we both come from families where our parents were owned their own businesses And I think we kind of grew up seeing the good and the bad, the hard times and the good, but it's something that we just really wanted to prove to the kids that you can do it. There's no reason why they can't have that dream as well and keep that alive and not just let the big entities come in. And I think that was something that we realized too, was that all these big entities who come in and buy massive tracts of land and stuff like that, they're not using their own money anyway. They've all got investors behind them. They've all got shareholders who they're reporting so to. So what not you? Investor. Exactly. We were like, what makes us any
0: different? It's great to have you come on and share your story because we need
1: to get better at telling stories within agriculture too. For sure, because farmers are so typically, like you would never get a million years get Hayden here sitting here talking about this. <laughs> as long as he listens to it, it's all good. <laughs> just to get people talking about the success stories, have a share the wins, you know, because I think if I had heard a lot more people's wins when we were setting out, it would have been like, yeah, we can do this. Someone else did it first. so But there's been plenty of people who've done it. They just don't go and talk about it afterwards.
0: Well, with that in mind, what's next? You've bought the farm, you're not on it yet. What's kind of next on the to-do list? We
1: are making the house livable because it's currently a little bit tiny for our four children. We've got our little growing cattle herd up there. We've got wheat and barley in this year. And so, yeah, we'll, we'll harvest that and see what comes next. But, yeah, I think just getting in there and sinking our teeth right into developing it a bit more and making it really work for us will be the next step so how exciting yeah it is very exciting exciting.
0: before we wrap up we ask all of our guests a a question and that is when you're out on the farm not bookkeeping perhaps but when you're out on the farm what work boots do you wear
1: blonde stones I have got slip on blonde stones is my weapon of choice interesting yep very interesting yep blonde stones have been rather popular lately my blonde stones are probably about 10 years old, and they've got melted bits from sitting against the fire pit where you're <laughs> a little bit too close and you don't realise until the ends have got well, that little bit of melted rubber <laughs> in them. And the other day I actually bogged Hayden's ute, which is a bit traumatic, and I got out in a flurry and just stepped straight into like two feet of water, angry at myself for having got the ute bogged. So my good old blundstones filled up. To the brim of water, but no, put them in front of the fire with a bit of like beeswax, you know, the polish your polish on front of them, and good as gold, just like new. Love it. Well, thank you so much
0: for chatting to me today, Andy. It's been really great to hear your story, and I really think that it's going to inspire a lot of other people to keep going if they're just starting out on their journey as well.
1: Well, I hope so. And like, I mean, we've come from come from having had kind of nothing as such ourselves to like just building it all with hard work and saving and not being idiots with our money and and stuff like that. So And having that end goal in sight has been a real, just that driver, the push. So it made it happen. Well done. Thanks for listening.
0: This podcast is produced by Rural Bank. Rural Bank supports the agribusiness community by providing financial services, knowledge and leadership for Australian farmers to grow. If you'd like more information about the topics we discussed today, as well as links and other resources, we've added those to the show notes for this episode. You can find them by tapping or swiping over the cover art in your podcast player now. And while you're there, please leave us a five-star review. It really helps other people find the show. I'm Annie Herbert, and I'll chat to you next time.